They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness, talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alo Aaron Lloyd, and today's episode is all about last weekend's Hell in a Cell pay per view, also with the weekly Raw and SmackDown shows. As always, head over to what I'm going to net for Matt Madness gear and head over to Ringside Collectibles. Use promo code MMADNESS to save 10% off your order. So, all that being said, if you've never been with us before, we'll play for you our rating system. Has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls into the middle, it gets a slower knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. It will get a showstopper. Alright, thank you, Howard. So, Hell in a Cell 2020. WWE, fucking bravo. Uh. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I thought all the matches delivered from an in-ring perspective. WWE, oftentimes throughout the year, they're slaves to their schedule. So you know what's coming in the upcoming wings, for example, like Money in the Bank's coming, Hell in a Cell's coming up, TLC's coming coming up. But I can honestly say for the first time in a long time, all these Hell in a Cell matches, they deserve to happen. They deserve the stipulations. Because how many times throughout the duration of the show have we said that the matches that need to be in Hell in a Cell aren't in Hell in a Cell. And the matches that don't need to be in Hell in a Cell are in Hell in a Cell. It happens all the time. So all three matches I thought deserved the stipulation. They were all given the amount of time that they deserved to tell their outfits, tell all their stories. Roman and Jay was 29 minutes. Sasha and Billy was 26. Orton and McIntyre, they went 30. Now, even though there were only six matches on the card, I thought there was only one filler match on the card, but the other two, The Miz and Otis, and Jeff Hardy versus Elias, they were both focal points on the weekly show, and they fit into the pay-per-view format. So, I'm going to give this show a flat-out showstopper. And one more thing I'm excited about is also this. We've been touting The Miz as a, a WWE champion, again, since we started this show in 2016 with his IC title rumble with Maurice. And with Miz winning money in the bank from Otis... that can become a reality soon. And that's something that we've been talking about on this show since almost day one. And it's something I want to see. He he deserves it. Uh, it'll be a hell of a plug for Miz and Mrs. <laughs> I can say that. But Miz definitely well-deserving. I'm looking forward to see what happens with the Money in the Bank briefcase because Otis was definitely a breakout superstar of the year candidate. But the, th- the problem with him was with WWE Creative, after Money in the Bank, there was just nothing really else to do with him. And we look, we look at Otis with Money in the Bank, you say, who the hell is he going to cash in on? He's, he's going to cash in on The Fiend. He's going to cash in on Braun. Or he's going to cash in on McIntyre, the Miz winning the money in the bank gives you a valid reason to think that he can actually win because he has cashed on Randy Orton in the past and you could actually see, could actually see him cashing on whoever the champion is, maybe other than The Fiend, but you could, act, but you could actually visualize it unlike Otis. So we're going to start off with the Universal Championship match. I thought this match was done very well. The, physical, the physicality shown in the match by Roman Reigns was second to none. I talked about the whole mic'd up aspect of the match at Clash of Champions. And 
how much that made the match so much better. And this was the same way. Uh, no matter what Roman did, Jay wouldn't quit and he wouldn't call him the tribal chief back at Clash of Champions. So that fit into the story of the whole I quit match inside Hell in a Cell. Now, there were several, several parts of this match where Roman... They made Roman look like a badass. Now, my personal favorite part was when he tossed the referee over the top rope. I thought that was awesome. And all the WWE officials came into the cage and Roman locked everyone in. I personally wanted him to just destroy everybody in the cage and all the officials, especially Adam Pearce, because I hate him so much. Um, then we get Jimmy Uso coming into the ring. And he's even dropping their real names. This is Josh and John. And Roman Reigns kind of like breaking down and getting emotional. It took up a lot of time in the match, but I really thought that it was well, it was needed in that situation because the entire time everybody's been saying, "What's up with Roman?" And then Jimmy's trying to, you know, get to him, and he really can't because Roman's actually baiting Jimmy Uso in so he could lock in the guillotine. And also, Jimmy Uso, he's still hurt, so the idea of Roman locking in a guillotine on uh, injured Jimmy Uso and that forces Jay to ultimately quit is actually a great move because what else will make Jay quit? I talked about this in July at their Extreme Rules. Well, not, well not, not Extreme Rules, but when Sasha faced Asuka and when Bailey attacked Kyrie Sane, it's like, you have to make that decision. Are you going to protect your friend or are you going to just try to win the match? And in this case, he tried to protect his brother. And the other time this happened was a match with Triple H and The Rock for the title on Raw in an I Quit match and Triple H went to save China instead of Pettigrew to Rock to win the match. And then he gets in the ring after Jay wins and Jay, he makes Jay Uso attack Daniel Bryan. And like I said, the whole family affair aspect because it works well because <clears throat> the Roman Reigns and Jay Uso's family, they're probably one of the most notable wrestling names, wrestling family names in the world of wrestling. So the fact that they wouldn't be acknowledged by the family actually makes this important. Like you really have to make a decision about do you want to be a part of the family or not. So I love that whole aspect of it. It's bringing an intriguing story. And I think that Daniel Bryan would be a perfect opponent for Roman Reigns to face because it's also fresh. We haven't seen it in five years since Roman went at the Royal Rumble. We haven't seen it in a long time, so it would be a perfect program for, for Roman Reigns to be in, especially with Jey Uso by his side. And that's also an interesting story with Jimmy fall in line eventually. When Naomi actually come play a part in this, you know, the idea of everything being a family affair with this is everything I love about it. Next, we got the WWE Championship. Randy Orton finally wins the WWE Championship from Drew McIntyre. It deserved to be shorter. It'll be it'll be this one because even though I was okay with it because Randy Orton already works a bit of a slower style, but I thought it took maybe five to ten minutes for him to get back in the ring after that whole top of the cell table spot. But I thought these two fit their story well. Randy dressing up as the camera guy from the store. I thought it was a good start. You know, we see him do that a, a few times before in the past. I also enjoyed the aspect of Orton going back to the injured jaw or McIntyre from the punts that he gave him in the past month or so. And it kind of seemed like Orton leaving the cell was basically a plan baiting McIntyre to get to the top of the cell. And it was a long process, but we didn't get a bunch of fighting on the cage. And it's nice to see because we don't see it anymore. And they were in... That's a bigger cell than what it actually used to be. So they're kind of at the top of the scoreboard, if you didn't notice that. And the one thing I was adamant about from the match from SummerSlam was the fact that in that match, they protected their finishers. And it was the same case here because McIntyre hits a Claymore. 
towards the end of the match, but Randy ends up rolling in the ring, so there's no pinfall or kick out, so that protects the Claymore, and actually makes it look actually pretty good, because it knocks Orton out the ring, now, after this, Orton goes for another Claymore, and Orton hits the first and only RKO in this match, to finally win the WWE Championship, now, this feud is going to continue, but Orton was on a moment of bliss, and it seems like The Fiend is up after Drew McIntyre. And I love the line that Alexa dropped. You and Drew burnt the house down. Played up to the history of Bray Wyatt where Orton burnt the house down. Sister Abigail's house. And I thought Orton played his role perfectly because he knows Bray Wyatt better than anybody else. So immediately he knows that Bray Wyatt's around here somewhere. The lights go out. Orton immediately knows that The Fiend's behind him before... Before he even gets a chance to turn around, he already knows. Then him, him and McIntyre brawl to end Raw. Now, I enjoyed this, but my problem with this is you have to keep the Fiend away from the title because he can't afford to keep losing these big matches. They, I think, I kind of feel they need to treat him like the Undertaker back in the day. You know, Undertaker wasn't always in the title scene. He would fight the bigger names, but he wouldn't always be in the title picture because he can't keep losing these matches. He's, the Fiend's really become somewhat formulaic at this point in the only, what is this, maybe a year and a half, two years that he's been around. And I do think the idea of Orton versus The Fiend is good, but my fear is that Orton gets a short run out of this or The Fiend loses. So I'm not going to win either way about this. But I did say at the, at the WrestleMania episode when we reviewed the Firefly Funhouse match, a person that would be perfect for that match or a few with The Fiend is Randy Orton because of their timing together. Now, the per- person to think of that I wanted from The Fiend r- right now in the early stages, so he doesn't really have to be in the title picture, is I kind of wanted more from the whole Alexa Bliss thing because we still, know, we still don't know a lot about Alexa Bliss and this character change. And I thought that we would have her working with Asuka and going after the women's title and finish up her program with Nikki Cross because I think Alexa working with Asuka can actually you know, be intriguing and strike some fear into Asuka. And that's something I was actually looking forward to see because who's actually, who's Asuka ever really been afraid of? No one. But I think the aspect of that could actually freak her out. And <clears throat> there's so many questions left to be answered with Alexa Bliss that I wanted to see it before The Fiend has been established on facing somebody else. But I do like this pairing. I do think Alexa Bliss has, over, has gone above and beyond in this character change. She plays it to a T. She's one of WWE's best characters, and she could play off basically anything. Now, my match of the night and potentially match of the year, the SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks defeats Bayley to win the SmackDown Women's title. Now, I was looking forward to this match the most. Everything was there from as a storyline perspective, and everything leading up to this match made Hell in a Cell valid. I thought the Meteora running off the table was awesome, and I think... They use the, the the cell to their advantage. And one thing we always say about best friends in wrestling is that they make the best opponents because the amount of trust that you have in that person to just lay everything they have in you because these women were completely physical with each other. It fit everything. And during the match, there's a part where Sasha Banks is lashing out on Bailey with the kendo stick. And you can kind of see all the emotion in Sasha's face as she's hitting Bailey and when she's done hitting Bailey. After the fact. And the match ends perfectly with Sasha using the chair in the bank statement to to play a role in the end of the match. Bailey taps out Banks is your new women's champion. And I like the fact that the story the story began with the chair 
and the match ended with the chair. I thought that was a really nice touch by WWE. And on SmackDown, WWE did something that I didn't want them to do because of the timing. I think it was too soon. Bailey challenges Sasha Banks to a rematch on SmackDown, which is going to happen next week. I personally didn't want that to happen this soon because I kind of wanted more time with the idea of Bailey laughing off and being cocky and arrogant that Sasha can't defend her title successfully by herself or in general. But she did play it off, but it's not to my liking. Like I wanted a whole, I wanted weeks of of Bailey being cocky and confident and arrogant about this entire thing, just laughing it off and not and not having any worries when the match came. But that's not saying we're not gonna get it at TLC as well. But I know for a fact we're getting it on SmackDown. And please don't take the belt off Sasha. God damn, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to her again. <laughs> don't please don't do it. So that's my match of the night. It's still the match of the year board because I thought this match was excellent. And if you haven't seen this match, I highly recommend it. There was someone on Instagram who, con- who contacted the Matt Madness page saying she was boycotting Hell in a Cell and waiting for the review. Well, there's no reason to boycott it. And if you, whatever you're doing, stop everything you're doing and turn this match on because this match was awesome. I'm going to backtrack for a second. There was something I posted on Instagram. I posed the question on Instagram on a poll that... Does Randy Orton winning the WWE Championship cement him as Superstar of the Year? 58% said yes, 42% said no. And I'm going to say this right now. The 42% that said no, you're dead wrong. I don't want... If you're an AEW mark, whatever. Who has been more entertaining as a character than Randy Orton? I don't want to hear John Moxley. I don't want to hear Cody. If you want to give anybody from AEW, I'll give you MJF. Because MJF has been the, the diamond of AEW in 2020. He really has. I don't want to hear anybody from AEW other than MJF as a Superstar of the Year candidate over Randy Orton. That's the only one I'll actually give you. You could debate me if you want. Also, if WWE, you want to say Drew McIntyre, fine, I'll give you that. But Randy Orton still wins. He really does. Randy Orton's been excellent on a whole other level this entire year. Now, Survivor Series is coming up. I see a lot of people were upset about NXT wasn't involved. But, honestly... NXT, other than the champions, they have no star power. They it, it will it will look like a, a complete slaughter if NXT was in this. Would I love to see Sasha Banks versus Oscar versus Io Shirai? Absolutely, are you kidding me? But NXT has no star power, and they would not be represented well as Survivor Series. They really would not. They would look they would look it would look like it was a slaughter, and it would be destroyed. So so far for Survivor Series, we have the Street Profits versus New Day, which I'm looking forward to a lot. I thought uh, the new uh, Xavier Woods and, Dan- and uh, Kofi as a street prophet Oscar backstage presenting the matches was awesome. I love that entire segment. Then we got Oscar versus Sasha Banks. I'm looking forward to that match as well because Bailey also t- talked about how Sasha hit- can't beat Oscar by herself. So I'm looking forward to that match. Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton. Looking forward to that match. Lashley and Sami Zayn. Whatever. Um, the men's Raw's team so far is Keith Lee, Sheamus, and AJ Styles against Kevin Owens and Jey Uso so far. In the women's match, Bianca Belair for SmackDown so far against Nia, Shayna, Lana, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke. I, I personally think this match is just to set up Bianca Belair to destroy the entire Raw roster. I think it'll be Bianca and Nia left, and Bianca gets the win and looks like a complete badass. So I'm looking forward to that aspect. I always love when the shows come together for shows versus shows and champions versus champions. It's always really intriguing. I don't think we really had a bad Survivor Series since they started, since they had the new brand split. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Now, 
next week's episode is all about AW full gear. And um, let's just say I might ruffle some feathers with some of my thoughts on AEW full gear. Um, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of my problems with AEW, a lot of people feel the same way, but a lot of people don't. But it'll be an interesting show to actually get into. And I'm looking forward to actually talking about it next week. So next week's all about AEW full gear. The preview and the week after will be the review. So. As always, make sure to head over to Maneuver.net for your Matt Madness gear and use promo code MMadness at Ringside Collectibles to save 10% off your order. That's it for the show, guys. I'm Alo Aaron Lloyd, and I will see you guys next week. Talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they hop on the top rope by the land with his elbow. Got them now, put them down right now, hit them with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist the Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.